Welcome to I Communicate on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. To join the conversation, call 508-871-7000. Now, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome to I Communicate. Glad to be back here with you as we're starting to wind down summer. And a special treat as we end summer, a guest today. Uh, he is the Senior Director of Sales for Connection, Robert Bush, who I'm going to welcome momentarily. And for those of you who don't know, Connection is a Fortune 1000 company that has a revenue of $2.6 billion. It's a lot of zeros. So, uh, Robert, first of all, welcome to the show. I'm thrilled to have you today. Hey, yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, my first time jumping on a radio show, so I'm pretty psyched. So, Robert, uh, Robert, you're based out in Ohio? Yeah, uh, Wilmington, Ohio. Right, right, okay. Uh, so, yeah, if, if you're not familiar with where that is, it's kind of equidistant from Columbus, Dayton, and Cincinnati. Okay, all right, awesome. So, Robert's been a connection for 13 years, and... Before I tell you why I invited him to the show and what our topic is today, Robert, I gotta I gotta ask you the elephant in the room question: Why the heck would you ever pursue a career in sales leadership? The thankless task that that is. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a great question, and I I've answered this many times, and I'll uh, be happy to answer it again. You know, when I was uh, just getting involved in sales as a as a young guy, um, you know, I, I had to work real hard to be good at sales. And I quickly realized and looked around myself that there were a lot of people that were better at it than me. I mean, I, I wasn't bad. I, you know, I would say I was probably top, you know, 30%, 20% of the salespeople, but I really had to work hard. And I quickly realized that, you know, I, I wasn't probably the best salesperson and always wanted to try my hand in leadership and, quickly realized I was better at the leadership part than I was actually doing sales. Which is interesting, Robert, because what I find in a lot of the organizations I work with is some of the best salespeople are thrust into leadership positions, and it actually works against the company in two ways. One, you're taking your, one of your top producers off the street, and you're putting someone in a leadership position who may be great at sales, but it doesn't have a leadership skill set. So it's kind of ironic, right? It is. And, and I've often said over the years, your best salespeople don't necessarily make your best leaders, and your best leaders don't necessarily make your best salespeople in a sales-driven organization. Completely two different uh, skill sets. So, so Robert and I, along with others at Connection, we've been working together for close to the last year, and Robert and I were in a conversation, and this is what kind of – we said, we got to do a radio show about this. So we were talking about how it is hard to hold salespeople accountable in a few specific ways. One of the ways is when a salesperson is hitting or exceeding quota. One of the ways is when they've just kind of stopped being motivated. And we started talking about what are the options you have when salespeople either get complacent stop being motivated, to hold your sales team accountable. And Robert, I got to start with this because I had this epiphany about two years ago that when you look at not just corporate America, you, you look at this across the world, sales is the only job 
that is sometimes compensated with only commission and almost always compensated by part commission. So what are we saying about salespeople that with every other job out there, you're given a salary or hourly wage, regardless of how competent or consistent you are. But with salespeople, we're just going to blanket make a statement that we don't trust you're going to stay motivated. We don't trust you're going to work very hard. So we better incentivize your compensation. It's crazy, right? You know, I I, I don't think so. Uh, you, you know, I... I about that myself over the years. And, you know, as crazy as that sounds, but when you really get to know salespeople, they like having the ability to have unlimited earning potential. Uh, you know, I've always found that our best salespeople actually prefer a straight commission plan where, you know, they their whole entire financial future or, or ability is solely within, you know, their control. And they like that ability of unlimited earnings potential. And uh, I think your best salespeople kind of look at it that way. And and honestly, if if you if you're not looking at it that way, I, I'll be blunt. I, I've always felt like you're in the wrong position because if you're if you're wanting a role where you know you want a big salary but you want to be in sales, you know, you, you can get complacent. And uh, I, I think it continuously helps drive the salespeople. Yeah, I, uh, and that's, go ahead. Finish your thought. I apologize. Go ahead. No, no. I, I there's there's so many salespeople within our organization, and I, I know I don't want to mention any names on your show, but uh, but when I look at the, the folks that are top performers, they they really do want that straight commission plan. Well, what's interesting, Robert, about what you're saying is that there's there's like anybody can be trained or coached on how to sell a product or a service. Right. Like that's just industry lingo, knowledge, like anybody can learn that. But what you're speaking of to me is is an it quality, an it quality of drive, passion, hunger to make a lot of money and be really successful. And I feel like what you're saying is that, you know, the reason why you think a lot of the most successful salespeople are are bred that way or born that way is because they get that they have that passion, drive and hunger and they want to keep being challenged and getting better. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely right. Uh, you, you know, to your point, you can train on, you know, the feature advantage benefit of any product or solution that's out there today. Uh, but one thing I've learned over the years, and there have been some exceptions, but for the most part, you know, I can't train people how to be hungry and aggressive. And that's, I, I always felt like that's an intrinsic uh, quality that some salespeople have. Well, and, and so so that's a perfect segue because you you outlined that well. And you know, I was thinking about going into the show today, is that there's a little bit of a mindset with a lot of salespeople, Robert, and I equate it to uh, education. And you know, to me, and my girlfriend's a teacher, so she could certainly appreciate this. But tenure is given in education rather. Uh, too freely, right? People are given tenure and education too freely. They don't even have to be at the job a long time and they're guaranteed to keep their job. In sales, what I often find, Robert, is that when you are hitting or exceeding your number, your quota, that the salespeople basically have the control, feel like they're in control, 
And no matter what part of the job they're not doing, whether it be administrative, you know, participating and engaging and being prepared for meetings, whatever other, whatever other aspects of the job are secondary because they know if they're bringing in the money, their core responsibility, that they're basically safe and ironclad. Agreed? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's certainly a mindset of uh, a lot of salespeople. Completely agree with that. You know, again, I, I, I know some salespeople that, uh, you know, don't fit that mold exactly, but that is definitely the rule versus the exception where, uh, you know, salespeople know that as long as they're producing uh, at, at minimum paying for their seat, so to speak, right? Yes. Uh, that, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to hold feet to the cold, so to speak. Absolutely. So, Robert, so this is what got us in our conversation to the show. So let me start with you by asking this. We never can, you never can stigmatize everybody. Not everybody is like that, but many salespeople fit that. So as, as a leader, a longtime leader who's been doing this successfully, when you encounter someone that fits that description, someone who is hitting their number, you know, and, and doing the bottom line successfully, and you have to find a way to motivate and inspire them when they stop being accountable or start being complacent, when we come back from our first break, I want to know how you handle that and how you recognize it proactively to get ahead of it. So we'll be right back uh, for I Communicate and Robert Bush. I'm Mark Altman. I Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome back to I Communicate. I am here with Robert Bush who is the Senior Director of Sales for Connection, been doing that for uh, 13 years. And so, Robert, where we left off, just to get the context back here, is we're talking about salespeople who, who fulfill their bottom line requirement, which is to drive revenue and exceed revenue. But then there's some challenges. And so the first thing I want to ask you is, what are some things in your in your experience, what are some red flags that you see for that bottom line rep when things start to go off the rails a little bit? Well, I mean, you know, it's a great question. And, uh, you know, you're, sometimes your best source of information uh, can either come internally uh, within the organization and or directly from the customer. And, uh, you know, when, when customers start to, you know, raise a flag, so to speak, whether it could be something that's service-related, uh, you know, they're not getting the responses that they feel, uh, you know, they used to in the past or should be getting, um, you know, those are definitely some of the things that you can absolutely look for. Um, and in addition to that, some of the things I've also looked for is just kind of changes in patterns and behavior within some of the salespeople. Um, you know, sometimes it's real easy to see that if they, you know, start start to care a little bit less uh, than they had in the past. Well, I think that's a critical point because, you know, anybody can see a decline in, in sales or, or sales activity or revenue. Those are easy things, but it's the subtle patterns of behavior before you even get to that point that can be really telling. So, so Robert, so let's talk about, you know, when you, when you are faced with a situation where you encounter yep. a rep that is fulfilling the bottom line, but is maybe perhaps 
shirking responsibilities, or even toxic with customers in some case, you've got two challenges on your hands, right? First, you've got to manage that person, and then you've got to, which is managing down, and then you've got to manage up because if it's in your experience that you think that person needs to go, you then have higher ups in the organization that may look at you and go, what the heck are you thinking? <laughs> that's so true. Uh, yeah, I mean, as, as someone that's in middle management, which I am, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm faced with that a lot, uh, where you're, you know, being pushed and pulled at the same time and, and trying to drive a message both up and down. And yeah, I was in that same exact situation uh, a number of years ago where a customer sounded off uh, about uh, concerns they had about the lack of, you know, lack of response they were getting. Um, actually had indicated that, uh, you know, they were not happy with the salesperson, so on and so on. And, uh, you know, it was interesting. Um, you know, you're, you're in a situation where, you know, and, and the customers flat out told you, if you don't make a change, this business is going to go away. And um, in, in this particular example, it was interesting. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I had the company convinced to make the change and at the last minute uh, due to the salesperson, you know, I guess kicking and screaming, so to speak, for lack of a better phrase, the company made the decision not to. And I, you know, I think it was about a year, a little over a year later, uh, you know, the customer actually did what they said they were going to do and they, they pretty much fired us. So, you know, Robert, hearing you tell that story, there's a couple of things that popped into my mind. And the first is, one of the challenges I think of a sales leader is creating a culture of uh, honesty. And here's what I mean by that. If a salesperson has an unhappy customer, the first question I would ask to myself is, in the story you were telling, did the salesperson know about that? And did they hide the information for fear that if it did come to the service, they would not only maybe lose the customer, but they would lose that as a revenue producer. So what, you know, with that scenario being a very realistic scenario, what do you do to create the culture of honesty? Because, I mean, that there's a lot at stake there if the salesperson's selfish and keeps that information to themselves. Another really good question. Um, I know, try, man. I try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're making it challenging for me. But candidly, you know, the, I think when it comes to honesty, um, you know, I, I believe that the best rule uh, from a leadership standpoint is really just that. You got to lead by example. Um, you know, you got to show your humanity. You got to, you know, get people to respect you when, you know, you admit you're wrong. It actually can help buy a lot of points, even if it was a big mistake. And I believe that, you know, the more honest you are with others, you know, and, and including yourself, right? But that's where the integrity piece comes in. Um, you know, that way when, you know, the chips are on the table at some point down the road, right? The salespeople or whoever it is you're leading in the organization, you, you've kind of built that bank of, of equity with them where they know, hey, here's a person that's um, admitted failure, admitted when they were wrong plenty of times, um, you know, I have no reason to disbelieve them now. And if they're saying, here it is, X, Y, and Z, um, then, yeah, you know, what, what they're saying must be true and accurate. Yeah. Um, and, then hopefully, and then hopefully that just leads down through the organization and they know that, hey, look, when I make a mistake, 
I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to lose my job over it. Uh, you know, my leadership will look at it as a, as an experience for us to all learn from and, you know, and, and it's just better to kind of fess up when something happens. Well, and I think you touched upon a really important point because if the assumption from the salesperson is that if you are forthcoming and truthful about the customer being unhappy and the salesperson defaults to the worst possible scenario that they're going to lose the customer, the question I would ask the salesperson if they came to me for coaching is I would say, well, why do you think that's the solution that would be put in place? And when you talk about building a bank of equity, if that pattern has not existed with your boss as a sales leader, but yet we know, Robert, people are irrational all the time. So even if that's never been their experience with you, it may have been their experience with a past boss when they were forthcoming, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. so, so the, know, go ahead, you go ahead. No, I mean, we, we, you know, I, I'm in Ohio and, you know, the, the, the management team and myself talk about it all the time that, you know, we get compliments often about, uh, you know, our, our leadership style and, you know, how positive we keep the environment. But at the same time, when a lot of people first start working for us, there is an added, there's an air of distrust because, uh, you know, I can't mention names again, but there was a gentleman we hired and he, you know, was very skeptical that this was really who we were. Huh. <laughs> and it took about a year for that person to go, wow, you know what, these people really are great and, and they do treat you really well. And, you know, it has made for some interesting conversation between myself and that person, you know, as time had gone on, yeah. Well, and Robert, you know, um, such a central part to what I do is around being emotionally intelligent leader. And what really strikes me about this, for every salesperson listening to this show today, think about this. If your boss were to ask you, are your customers truly happy with you? The question is, do you really know? Because there's one thing, you know, to me, Robert, there's three categories, right? You have a customer that's a huge fan of yours and genuinely loves working with you and would sing your praises. You have the opposite scenario where the customer is uncomfortable and doesn't enjoy working with you. And we both know that that's a two-pronged problem because not only may the salesperson keep it a secret, but the customer may keep it a secret because they feel bad, right? And then, then you have the middle category, and this is the big one, which is the people who answer that question and say, geez, I'm not really sure. And if you're, if you're in sales and you are struggling to really understand, A, how the customer feels about you, B, how the customer feels about your product or service, or C, how the customer feels about your organization or company as a whole, you're not doing your job completely. So how do we get salespeople to prioritize being self-aware of knowing where they and the company stands with customers? Uh, you know, it's it's something I learned recently, and I'll, I'll be I'll be blunt, and I'm not trying to do a plug, but you know, through going through uh, one of your courses, uh, you know, I can recall the first conversation that you and I had, and it, you know, candidly, it it didn't go great, and <laughs> I I was I was able to do some, you know, self reflection, and you know, realize that there were. You know, I don't want to say a lot of things wrong with me, but there was certainly an area I was completely missing. And, um, you know, one of the things I learned through your course was to continuously ask a lot of questions in a very curious manner. 
Um, and and one of the big things that my biggest takeaway from from your workshops has been what you refer to as the writing reflex and avoiding it, where a you know a, a leader as opposed to listening and asking a lot of questions and trying to bring uh, you know the the direct report to to a place of realization on their own rather than you know, do that, a lot of leaders just tell them what they think they should be doing, you know, as, as you call the writing reflex. Yeah. And, you know, I was, I was a really big writing reflex guy. Interesting. Recently. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been, it's been a tough, you know, it's, it's been a very difficult concept to grasp and, and, a, and a tool to, you know, uh, push a drive and, and to kind of really adopt it. But, it works. And uh, I think that's the best way to handle folks like that to answer your question. Awesome. Robert, we're going to come back for our next segment right after this break. For I Communicate and Robert Bush, I'm Mark Altman. We'll be right back. Now, I Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Welcome back to I Communicate. I'm with Robert Bush from Connection and... Um, senior sales leader, and uh, we're going to get right back into this, Robert. So in, yeah. the, in the last segment, we talked about the example you gave where a customer was unhappy with a rep, um, the company opted to keep that rep on, and what you and I talked about uh, in our conversation previously, Robert, is the other side of the coin. And when you, you had said to me, and something that really stuck with me, you said, you know, when you have someone on the sales team not doing their job, whether it's amount of sales calls, whether it's an administrative responsibility, whatever it is that is an expectation of them, that it becomes very toxic if you let something linger, then the other salespeople who aren't hitting their quota are looking around going, oh, I see how it is. So those people only have to follow rules when they feel like it because they're hitting their quota. And I would love for you to speak to that dynamic and how challenging that is for you and when you encounter a person who either has the mindset of, well, why do I have to if they don't have to? And even if they're not saying it, you know they're thinking it. How do you deal with that? Yeah, that's probably the biggest challenge we have is, as a leadership team. You know, when, when you're in sales and you're leading a group of salespeople and, you know, you have uh, measurements. You know, every company has measurements, metrics, uh, various different things you look at. You know, whether you're field sales, it's number of calls you have per week and you're doing inside sales it's the amount of calls you have a day on the phone so on and so on and you know in an organization that's sales driven where you have folks that are um you know not doing those metrics but still pulling in a lot of the revenue it makes it extremely hard to drive and and keep the folks that aren't bringing in the revenue yet uh, you know, motivated to continue those level of activities. And, uh, you know, in a, in a lot of cases, um, you know, I will have conversations with what I would call those senior leadership people that have, from a selling perspective and say, hey, look, you know, uh, you know, I've actually had those conversations where I, I help them realize whether you know it or not, you're, you're looked upon as a leader. And, uh, you know, helping to lead by example is, is a big part of it. And if you were to do X, Y, and Z, you know, it would be seen upon very positively from the folks that aren't quite there yet from a sales perspective and were 
trying to continue to get them to drive the activity. And in a lot of cases, that helps. It's not a panacea. Um, it, it doesn't work with all of your uh, senior salespeople, um, but a, a lot of them get that and will and kind of will you know subscribe to that and and step it up. Uh, for the folks that don't, it, you know, it, it becomes a, a, a real uh, challenge uh, and a real uh, teeter-totter, right? You, you don't want to over-index. Um, as a sales organization, you're afraid of losing the revenue. So you kind of sometimes can get what I call paralyzed by fear, where, you know, you're not, you're afraid to hold those types of folks accountable that really aren't putting in the effort that just kind of have the attitude, well, you know, I've got to a lot of legacy business coming in. Um, so you, you do get sometimes paralyzed by fear. But then in a situation where it becomes very, very obvious that, you know, if you don't do something about it, like the example we talked about earlier, that can have a lot of impact on the organization. And I think sometimes as a leadership team, uh, you can miss out on those opportunities to look for the good in it. Uh, and you and I had that conversation as well, where, you know, if folks know that there's someone not doing the job and they realize you're afraid to maybe uh, at some point, you know, uh, cut ties with that particular person, you know, you're you're also saying at the same time, you don't trust the rest of your salespeople enough to be able to, you know, pick up that business and not let it get negatively impacted if we were to make a change uh, on the personnel side. And I think to a large degree, if, if you know, you do things right and, and you, you try and manage through it the best you can, and if at the end of the day you get to a point where you do, do need to cut ties with someone, I think it sends a positive message uh, on a lot of levels to the rest of the salespeople that say, hey, look, I have enough faith and confidence in you folks that we're not going to let this business go by the wayside if we do uh, make a personnel change over here with these particular accounts and so on and so on. And I, I think showing people that you have faith in the rest of the sales organization can actually be a very positive thing. Well, and, and you know, Robert, it's interesting to me because, you know, a lot of times when leaders don't have rewards or consequences to motivate people, they don't know what to do. Right. And sales is all about rewards and incentives, but the consequences become very limited when people are hitting that number and doing their core responsibility. So you mentioned intrinsic motivation earlier to me, which is a huge part and such a part of our motivational interviewing discussions we've had. But there's another thing here that you said when we've spoken a few weeks ago, and that is being a little bit more creative with consequences. And I know the word consequences sounds punitive, but I think a lot of sales sales leaders say, well, I can't fire the person, so what do you want me to do? But you had ideas, so if you have someone that is not doing their metrics but still pulling in a lot of revenue, what are some consequences you've used that you've found to be effective in situations like that? You could certainly modify their book of business. Um, so, you know, a lot of folks, um, you know, salespeople, Certainly don't want to you know lose any customers, even if they're small customers. I don't know if it's a um, you know psychological thing as it relates to you know less can be less. Uh, although in a lot of cases less can be more. Uh, we've had that conversation as well with 
a lot of salespeople over the years. And uh, yeah, so uh, one of the things that uh, you can absolutely do is, uh, you know, to manipulate uh, the book of business or to scale it back in that particular example, right? Say, hey, look, you know, you're not, you're not doing what we need to do. Um, you're not doing what's agreed upon. You know, we've had, I don't know, whatever the number of conversations is at whatever point, you get to a point where you're like, I, I need to do something. And you can certainly, uh, you know, look at changing their, their book size. You know, maybe they had 50 customers and you're going to look, pull it back to 45 or 40. Um, and of course, you know, affecting the lower, uh, the, you know, the smaller customers on that end of the spectrum uh, out of the gate. And, uh, you know, to put those in the hands of salespeople that you feel are aggressive and are willing to put the time in with them. And I think the aha moment for those folks is if, if you were to move five customers out of someone's book as an example, and those five customers, you know, end up growing quite a bit, um, I, I think that's your validation across the entire sales organization, not just the person that, uh, you know, you were uh you know, speaking of and, and within their existing book. Yeah. And you know what, Robert, what, what you're talking about there is what I would say, ma not managing fearfully. And what I mean by that is, and let's do, let me take you out of your comfort zone. Let's just do a role play. And you're good at right. this. You're good at being vulnerable. So you sit down with the rep and you say, look, you know, you're not, you're not doing what was expected of you. We've laid down the metrics you need to hit. We've laid down the things you need to do. So we're going to modify your territory. We're going to modify your book of business. So this is what I want to know, Robert. Now, I'm going to play the role of the sales rep who you've just told that to. Yep. And I look at you and I say, so let me get this straight. I am exceeding quota. I am bringing a lot of money for this custom company. My customers you know, love me. And you're going to take away book of business because I'm not doing my metric activities? Are you kidding me? How do you respond to that? Well, my, my response is pretty simple. Uh, you know, you're not working with those customers today. You know, when I look into, uh, you know, our customer relation manager, a.k.a. CRM tool, yep. uh, those, those five customers that, you know, we're discussing right now, you know, you're, they're, they're really not getting the attention that they deserve. And, you know, we're getting, you know, maybe – one to two percent of their IT budget, and you know, albeit I know that you say you have a great relationship there with them, but at the same time, you know, we're not really getting a big piece of the pie within those organizations. And I know that you're really busy, you know, giving some absolutely fantastic support to, you know, your bigger customers, and you know, it's it's there where you need to be spending more time. And I I really feel like, hey, look. If we, you know, scale back some of your smaller customers, that may be taking some time away that you could be doing more uh, deeper, wider type conversations within your larger customer base. You know, actually, at the end of the day, you, you could end up making more money and putting more money in your pocket. And at the same time, we could get these smaller customers into the hands of some folks that have, you know, a greater deal of time to really maximize their IT budgets. Yeah, and what you're doing, Robert, in my opinion, and we're going to continue this after the next break, but what you're doing is you're, you're reframing their mindset, and it's about you having a lot of confidence in yourself that you can help them reframe that mindset. So, um, all right, Robert, hang with us. We're going to go for our final segment right after this break. For Robert Bush, I'm Mark Altman. This is I Communicate. 
Now, I Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. So, Robert, uh, good to be back. This is I Communicate. I'm Mark Altman here with Robert Bush, Senior Director of Sales at Connection, a Fortune 1000 company. And so, Robert, I just want to get some closure to what we were talking about before the break, and we have a doozy of a topic sure. to end us our show today. So, you know, I, I, I was saying that, you know, what you're doing is you're taking what is a punishment, what is a consequence to someone not not doing their, you know, meeting their metric responsibilities and shifting it to an opportunity. So if you could just put a, a bow on this and how you kind of have that conversation once and for all. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's really trying to walk the person to a realization of what it means to them. And I would actually ask them, okay, so if we move these five customers in this example, what does that mean to the bottom line of your income? And, and I would actually ask them that. Like, hey, look, you know, these, these are five small customers. Let's, let's walk through this. You know, what is, what is the impact to your, you know, your annual income if we were to move these five customers away? And, you know, in, in all the cases, it's, well, it's really not going to affect my income at all. Okay, great. So what, what is it you, what is it you're concerned with as it relates to, you know, moving these five customers out of your book? It's, it's certainly not punitive from a financial standpoint. Uh, we, you know, we just covered that. We, we agree to that. So, you know, really what is, what is the root of your concern as it relates to moving those five customers? And I think once, once you can kind of get to that root of the concern, you can address that and then start discussing, well, what does what does the extra time that you're going to get by you know shrinking down your your book of business to a to a more manageable size? What does that how is that going to have a positive impact on your larger customers? And what does that potentially look like, you know, from a financial standpoint on an annual basis? Yeah, Robert. You were able to. No, go ahead. Finish your thought. No, I. Hey, look. If you could spend you know 10% more time with you know your your marquee customers. How would that positively impact, you know, your income? Well, I have to say, Robert, you know, you're making me smile today. You're, you're, you're such a great student. I mean, I think that Robert alluded to the writing reflex earlier in the show. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it's, it's the kryptonite to critical thinking. It's when you tell someone how to be better, what they need to do to be better as an authority figure. And what Robert does and how he explained that is He's asking questions and he's getting to the root cause of the problem and doing those things are such more effective leadership techniques and it thrills me to hear you talking that way. Um, you know, Robert, I, I have to tell you that just shifting gears for the final segment of the show, I, you know, one of my pet peeves with organizations, um, and this dovetails into what we've been talking about today, is how we incentivize people. And a lot of times when I work with organizations that are sales-driven organizations, and they bring me in to incorporate leadership competencies and emotional intelligence and, uh, and, and developmental skills to motivate and inspire and coach people, I'm frustrated because the leaders don't have that as part of their incentive package. So I sit there and say, okay, if you have a leader whose team and direct reports are doing everything they're supposed to do, they're hitting their number, and that's what this organization's about, now you want me to convince them, and I, I use the word convince, even though that's not how I coach or teach. 
to focus on these new skills and competencies when they really don't need to or have no motivation to do so. What I'm asking, Robert, is twofold question. The first part is, if we want salespeople to prioritize metrics outside of revenue generation, do we need to make that as part of compensation packages? Should we broaden out how we motivate salespeople, especially if they are money-driven, to include the very behaviors we're trying to coach and facilitate? Uh, you, you know, I, who, you know the, the scenario you described was exactly the first conversation you and I ever had. Where right. I, you know, I bluntly told you, why do I need to do this? That's right. right? And, <laughs> but I had to go back and do some self-reflection. And, and you know, honestly, um, you know, it would be really arrogant of me. And I, and I do, you know, I don't mind telling I tell people all the time, you know, I, I definitely struggle with arrogance. And uh, it's, it's one of my, uh, my, my character flaws. And it's something I'm consciously aware of. And it's, it's a challenge for me at times to take a step back and say, hey, look, you know, um, it would be really arrogant of me to, to kind of, you know, stick my nose up at an opportunity uh, to, to make me a better coach, a better mentor, so on and so on. And I think at the end of the day, the incentive is there. Um, you know, if you're humble enough to, to take a step back and say, hey, look, I could be better here. And at the end of the day, if it makes me a better leader, and at the end of the day, that helps me have a better sales organization, then yeah, the, the, the financial reward is there. It may be indirect and it may take time for the needle to move, but I believe in what I'm doing. And, you know, I believe in, in how we're doing it. And, and I, and I think it, it does have a positive impact, just not on me personally, uh, but on the rest of the organization and uh, my direct reports as well. So I, I, I think the incentive is there. I just think it's some of it's intangible, right. some of it's indirect, and I, I, I don't really think it needs to be baked into the comp plan, but it's, but it's there already. Well, and I got to tell you, Robert, uh, this past week, I was talking to my brother who had just had a conversation with a friend of the family, and this guy is a partner at a, at a venture capital firm. This guy's got to be making, you know, 10 million bucks a year. Okay. <laughs> and he says, yeah, he says, he says, the three things I look for when I hire anybody. And by the way, he starts college graduates. This venture capital firm starts college graduates at $350,000 a year at this firm. Wow. So talk about, you can have standards when you're paying people that kind of money out of the gate. You can have oh, those yeah. standards. So here's the point. You know what he said? He said, one of the three most important qualities that are non-negotiable when I hire someone is humility. And what humility means to me is a couple of things. It means self-awareness and it means intellectual curiosity. And I think that when you talked earlier in the show about the, the passion and the drive and the it quality, that is so important. It's important for any job, but absolutely in sales. But, you know, part of this, Robert, to me is if you hire people that have that intellectual curiosity to get better, that have the humility and self-awareness to know what they're not good at and what they are good at, then the whole incentive conversation becomes secondary 
because you've hired someone or people with the qualities you need where that isn't as important. Yeah, that's a, a, a very interesting point, and it's certainly a very interesting way to look at it, that's for sure. Because then it, then the machine just, you know, I'm a, I'm a mechanical guy, and I, I use those references all the time, but then the machine, in your example, you know, becomes self-perpetuating. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it can support and substantiate itself and, and continuously look to grow and become better in, in that particular example. So, yeah, I, I think it's a very good way to look at it. Well, and it's funny, Robert, if you think you've probably interviewed so many people over the years, countless people, and one of my pet peeves in interviews is when you ask someone, you know, tell me about yourself, and they say, oh, I, I love to learn. And anytime someone says, I love to learn, you know what my next question I ask them is? Everything? Like, you love to learn everything? Like, is there anything you don't like to learn? Because the fact of the matter is, we like to learn about things typically that interest us, right? Yeah. So an intellectual curiosity is someone who has a little bit of a broader scope of, of learning and wanting than the person who says, well, if it's about this topic, I like to learn, but if it's about this topic, I don't. So I just think, Robert, you know, that those, those characteristics humility and intellectual curiosity, I just think are huge with salespeople. It really, it really is. And, you know, you, you, uh, continuously have to push and drive yourself outside of your comfort zone. And, and to be blunt, your program was way outside of my comfort zone. <laughs> uh, initially, I mean, it really was, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't part of my DNA. Uh, and it really took, a, took me to take a hard, close look at, you know, how I approach things um, and, and to look inward and say, hey, look, you know, what what is it I could do better? Uh, and this was an opportunity. And I think, you know, as we go through life, you know, whoever it is, we all go through life. And I think there are certain kind of checkpoints throughout life where we are, opportunities are put in front of us. And I think to your point, um, you know, humility, uh, you know, the person that's humble enough to, to re to recognize those checkpoints um, and to not let them go to waste is, is makes all the difference. I mean, it really does uh, because you don't know how many of those, you know, checkpoints as I refer to them uh, and opportunities are, are going to come your way. Well, Robert, I, I just want to end with, we we're only have 30 seconds, but first I just want to thank you so much for adding so much value to the program today. Um, and I'm totally having you on again, whether you like it or not. So I'm just saying that. <laughs> I love again. it. So one final thought, we have to go, but I, I just want to say one of my favorite parts of being a coach and a trainer and a consultant is how much I learn from other people. And Robert's been very kind on the show and in, in how I've added value, but I've learned a lot from Robert. And sometimes when you have an initial conversation from someone, it's easy to pass judgment, but when you have an open mind, you can learn just as much from the other person. Robert, I've learned a lot from you. So thanks again uh, for I Communicate. Thanks, Jazz, and uh, for producing and... Uh, We'll see you next time for another edition of I Communicate. Thank you. You've been listening to I Communicate with your host, Mark Altman. Join us again each week at this time on Full Service Radio, WCRN.